Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Get your Bible or your electronic device. I am ready to get into the word. Uh, I want to thank God for Pastor Joe Walker. I see you here with your son. I know you don't want to come up, but you can. We can seat you here. Pastor Joe Walker, brother from Milwaukee, good brother. And then we've got Pastor Christine Wakesa. Our good friend, Bishop Wafula's wife, all the way from Bungoma, Kenya, that's here this morning. And you'll hear from her before we leave this morning. Get your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Matthew 12, 25. We're continuing our teaching and our talking on the body of Christ. Matthew 12, 25. I do again say I thank God for all your prayers. Amen. I do thank God for all your prayers. I, I do thank God for all your prayers. Amen. Matthew 12, 25. Let's read it out loud together. Are you ready? All right, let's read. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Bow your heads, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your spirit. Your word and your spirit work together in creation. Do a new thing in us, create in us, O oh God, a superstructure from the kingdom, about the kingdom, of the kingdom of God, on the inside of us. May we be more kingdom and body-minded than we have ever been before as a result of this anointed word. Anoint the teacher, the preacher, to proclaim, to teach, and declare. Anoint the ears of the hearer to hear and their hearts to receive so you can get the precious fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Again, we are talking about we, the body of Christ. Somebody say we, we. are the body of Christ. Now, we started this Wednesday, and I'm going to pick up from where we ended off Wednesday. So we talked about a house divided against itself or a kingdom or a church or a nation that's divided against itself. Jesus says shall not stand or is brought to ruin. It is brought to ruin. And we talked about how homes, homes are, homes are under attack because when there's a home that's divided, the house, the home, the godliness in the home, the peace in the home, it cannot stand. It cannot continue. And this is what the enemy wants to do. And we must not be because we should not be ignorant of his devices. So notice again the progression here, house, city, and then kingdom. The enemy wants to disrupt our homes. He wants to put, bring chaos into our homes. That then impacts what? The community, the city. Then the city impacts the nation. So we have to be aware of what the enemy is doing. We have to be aware of what he's doing. We talked about how the word divided against itself is a violent phrase. It's violent. Any house divided against itself where people are fighting each other, trying to tear each other apart. That's a violent word. We cannot be, we cannot be divided against ourselves. We cannot be violently opposing each other. 
We see that in the world today. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. If I were to bring up one hot button subject, it would divide the people in this church right, right away, right away. Because some people feel this way and some would feel the other way. And they would feel so strongly about it. Once they found out you felt differently, they couldn't wait to attack you after church. See, this is a tactic of the enemy that we, the body of Christ, must be aware of. Again, Matthew 12, verse 26. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Jesus says in verse 27. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Because they called him Beelzebub. He says, therefore, they shall be your judges. Verse 28. But if I, Jesus says, cast out devils by the spirit of God, how do devils get cast out by the spirit of the Lord? Jesus is telling us. So if I cast out, Jesus says, devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom has come unto you. Don't miss this. So Jesus says, when I cast devils out, I'm opening the door for the kingdom to come in. The demons that are present are hindering the manifestation of the kingdom. So Jesus says, I get rid of demons so the kingdom can come. Verse 29, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his goods. Verse number 30, write that uh, Put an asterisk, underline it. This is very important for this whole teaching. Verse 30, Jesus says, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Hmm. Jesus said, Satan and Beelzebub are one and the same because they, along with demons and devils, work against God and his kingdom. Any being or entity that works against the building of the kingdom of God is against Jesus. (laughs) It's just that simple. Any entity, we're going to break it down even further. Any word spoken against God, his church, and anything he's doing is against him and his kingdom. Anyone casting out devils can't be working for Satan. Jesus already said it. Satan will never cast out Satan. Demons will never get rid of other demons. They're fighting against themselves. So when you see someone casting out a devil, they have to be working with the Holy Ghost for Jesus. This is going to make sense to you as we go on. Again, the last thing Jesus said in verse 30 He that is not with me is against me. He that is not with, connected to, 
the body of Christ, those that are not a part of the body, those that are not connected, those that are not joined to Jesus, <laughs> they're already opposing Jesus. I'll say that again. Those that are not joined, connected, or a part of the body of Christ are already opposing Jesus and the kingdom of God. It's a newsflash for some of you because some of you think, well, that's just a good person. They're just not saved yet. If they're not for Jesus, they're against him. Come on, catch the revelation. If they're not for Jesus, they're against him. Let me say it another way. If they're not for Jesus, they're against you. Because you're the body of Christ. Why do you ride around with folk that, that hate you? Why do you keep hanging around people that are against you? Hmm. Being, <laughs> being connected to Jesus is to fight against Satan and his kingdom. Being a part of the body of Christ automatically means you're an enemy of Satan. Let me say it another way. You can't be saved and be neutral. Oh, I'm touching your feet. I'm touching your toes. I'm th See, because some of us go to work and you just want to work. I just want to be neutral. I don't want to get in nothing. Can't do it. If you're a part of the body, you're already an enemy of the kingdom of darkness and the attacks are inevitable. So you might as well get on the offensive right now because the devil ain't got, you know, back when I, in the day when I was growing up, you know, we play fight and wrestle. And if you say uncle, that was it. You know, they choke you. Say, say, say uncle. You say uncle, they let you go. You can't say uncle today. The devil ain't going to let you go. He's going to choke you harder. We can't be saved and be neutral. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. We can't be saved and be neutral. <laughs> Luke 9, verses 49 and 50. John comes back to Jesus and then the rest of the disciples, and he says, I saw somebody. <laughs> Let's just read it. Verse Verse 49, Luke 9, 49. John says, Master, <laughs> we saw one casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him because he wasn't following us. Do you see what's happening? John says, because they weren't part of our church. John says, because they weren't in our denomination. John said, because they had on pants. John said, because they don't speak in tongues. We told them to stop building the kingdom. We told them they had no right to build the kingdom because they weren't a part of us, our group, because we're special. We're the only ones saved. 
John was suggesting, now give me some type of latitude here with some spiritual insight. John was suggesting because this man wasn't a part of their ministry, he must be in error. That's how we are today. Here it is. We're 2,000 years removed from that, and we still think the same way. So John said he must be an enemy, so we told him to stop building the kingdom. Jesus already told us, you cast out devils by the Spirit of God. So John said, this man ain't saved. He ain't got the Holy Ghost. But he's casting out a devil. (laughs) This time, Jesus reverses that statement. Verse 50. And Jesus said to him, forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. He that is not against us is for us. Anyone that's not opposing kingdom building is not your enemy. The devil has been too successful at tricking the body of Christ into thinking if they, people don't do it the way our group does it, they're our enemy and they should stop. See, what's happened the spotlight has been shined in such a way that God has been revealing that we pastors have been too church membership minded rather than body member minded. I'll say that again. We've been too focused on the members of the church, getting members to come back to the church. What the members, and that's, that's not a sin, but we've not expanded that concept and that idea to think about the body of Christ as a whole and to get you to thinking as a member of the body of Christ and not just this particular specific church and fellowship. Because when you think globally, when you think about the entire body of Christ, it gives you more strength. Mm. So Jesus reverses that statement he made before and says anyone not opposing them is working towards the destruction of Satan's kingdom. In other words, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. In other words, some of the folks you've been fighting against, you should be working with. Anyone casting out devils is working towards building the kingdom. They are on your side and not your enemy. It doesn't matter what their skin color is, what part of the world they're from, what songs they sing that may be different than yours. They are on your side. (laughs) Matthew 10, 
7 and 8. Jesus says, as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. See, this is a part of the Great Commission. We are all to do what Jesus did. These are the things Jesus did. So then these are the things that we, the body of Christ, are to do that Jesus did. Everything Jesus did, we that are his body, have been equipped and anointed to do and should do. We should be casting out devils. We should be healing the sick. Amen. <laughs> One crucial aspect that needs to be, you know, emphasized more today than ever, in my humble opinion, uh, when it comes to discipleship, is learning to do what Jesus did. We don't just learn how to be good church members, good Baptists, good Methodists, good Catholics. Good th no, we learn how to do what Jesus did. Why? Because we are his body. We're his body. We are the body of Christ on earth, the physical manifestation of God on earth. So we should do what Jesus did. Hmm. John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. In order to do what Jesus did, we have to stay in the word or follow the example the word tells us to follow. We have to be faithful to the word. We have to be faithful to loving the word. You have to love the word of God because Jesus is the word of God. You have to love the word of God so much that you read it, you follow it, you meditate on it, you pray it, and then you go out and do it. This is what it means to be a disciple. We can have wonderful discipleship classes and learn all kinds of principles and mysteries of the kingdom, but until we do what Jesus did, we are not disciples. One other thing that we're going to talk about now. To be a disciple and not love another disciple is to hate the body of Christ. Selah. To be a disciple and hate another disciple is to hate the body. Let's go further. I'll explain it. To be a disciple and hate another disciple is to hate yourself. Mm, that made me thirsty. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ and hate another disciple is to hate yourself. This is why we need these teachings on body ministry. Ephesians 5, 28, 29. Paul has given us an example. He said, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth him. So 
<laughs> Verse 29. For no man yet ever hated his own flesh. I ain't going to bother anybody, but I'm just this once. <laughs> if you marry a man, and he in the mirror more than you, His beard is lined up to the tape, but he got you looking like, yeah, you got it in your mind. He don't love you like he should. Because he doesn't have the revelation that you are him. Verse 29 again, no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it even as the Lord does the church. Do you not know the Lord, your God, Jesus, the Messiah, is nourishing you and cherishing you every day? And he's doing it in a big way right now. Through this word, he is nourishing you and he's cherishing you. This is why we got to come back to church so we can be nourished and cherished. So we can see and experience the love of Jesus for us, his body. Hmm. The body, which is the bride of Christ, is tremendously loved by Jesus. Look at someone and tell them, I'm tremendously loved by Jesus. Tremendously. Tremendously. Oh, man, I felt something go through me. Tremendously. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the anointing. He, he loves you amazingly, auspiciously, extravagantly. You are his bride. You are his body. That's why healing is yours. Deliverance is yours. Because that's part of the love of God. And that's what he does in nourishing us and cherishing us. Somebody say, I'll never be broke another day in my life. Nobody hates their own body unless you got some mental problems. If you're healthy, you love you some you. <laughs> come on, come on, look at you. Ain't nothing too good for you, is it? In your mind. Again, Paul says in the scriptures, he that loves his wife loves himself. They nourish themselves. That word nourish there means to supply what is needed to promote growth. You're going to make sure you have the food you need to keep your body growing. You're going to make sure you have the clothes you wear to make you look good and feel good. You're going to nourish yourself. He goes on to say, and he cherishes himself. To cherish here means to hold dear. You should hold yourself dear. I'm going to say it again. We should hold ourselves dear. I'm going to say it one more time because y'all ain't ready. You ain't ready. I'm trying to get you ready. 
we should hold ourselves dear. Right, right, right? So then if you got sugar problems, you shouldn't be eating all that sugar. Oh, Lord. You should hold yourself dear. Some stuff you shouldn't be eating because you hold yourself dear. Mm-hmm. Heard the voice of Jesus say. You ready to roll with me now, ain't you? <laughs> if you hold yourself dear, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. See, 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 all I'm saying, all I'm trying to point out is when you don't really love yourself, you really don't love other people right. And this is why we don't understand the body. Because there's some things we don't do because you're connected to me. Oh, quiet now. Be, be quiet now. There's certain things we don't do because other people are connected to you. It ain't just about you. Let me throw another one at you. There's several reasons. Number one, let me, let me just say it. I don't preach drunk. Number one, because I don't drink anymore. But number two, why would I do that to you? Because we're a body. Turn in your, turn in your body. Half of y'all would stay and pray for me. Other half be shaking your head while you walk out the door. Why would I do that to you? See, 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 when you love yourself, you know how to love other people properly. This is body ministry. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We're fitly joined together. We're members of one another. Paul goes on to say, this is how Christ takes care of his body. We need to let Christ take care of us us. Say amen. Amen. Somebody say, I'm going to let Jesus Christ take care of me because I'm his body and his bride. Stop being so stubborn. Ephesians 4, 16. He makes the whole body fit together and united through the support of every joint as each and every part does its job he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is body ministry. We work together to build each other up. We fast and pray not just for salvation and for the anointing and for God to use us, but we do so to help build each other up. I need you to be anointed so when I need you to pray, your prayer is anointed. You need me to be anointed so when I pray for you, my prayers are anointed. So we can build each other up as we go outside the four walls of the church and our home and the enemy tries to tear us down. We don't come to church and tear each other down. The world is already doing that. We come here to build each other up so we can go out there and build the kingdom of God. So Jesus puts the body together. Let me tell you something. Some of you all think it was your decision to join the church. No, you were led to join this church. 
because Jesus is fitting you where he wants you. That's why you need to know you just can't leave when you want to. Jesus put you here. I, I, can't, I won't go any further. Again, Ephesians 5.30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. But a house divided. So how and what does it look like in the kingdom or in a local church fellowship when it is divided against itself? Two things, and we'll get into them prayerfully. You will either tear it down with your mouth or you'll tear it down with your hand or both. <laughs> Usually the enemy gets in someone's head, heart, spirit, soul, whatever you want to say. And the first thing you do to begin to divide yourself is open your mouth against the church. I don't know why we did that. I don't know why he said that. We should be doing this. He should be preaching that. You're tearing the body down with your mouth. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's power in your words. This is why you got to be, we got to be careful what we say about each other. Somebody say amen. James 3.10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. James says, my brother, these things shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be praying fire down, the power down, and then five minutes later you're talking crazy about somebody. So with the mouth, you're tearing down what God's building. Now you're not with Jesus. You're demonstrating behavior that's against him. Mm. This is the work of Satan, my brothers and sisters. Not the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 12, 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. From the fruit of your own mouth, what you say out of your own mouth is what either satisfies you or makes you unsatisfied. So if you're not satisfied, it ain't what I'm preaching, it's what you're saying. Slow down, let me say it again. That was that, that kind of went over your head. If you're born again and a member of this particular fellowship and you're not satisfied, it's not what I'm preaching that's the problem. It's what you're saying out of your own mouth that's your problem. Because a man is satisfied by the fruit of their own lips. If you're not satisfied, you need to start talking differently. One day, an expert in the law of Moses came to Jesus and asked Jesus, we may not get any further than this, we'll see. But he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? An expert in the law, like some of y'all, experts. 
Jesus answered him in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Turn there, please. And the Bible reads, Jesus saying, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. We just sang that song, didn't we? With all our mind, with all our strength. This, Jesus says, is the first commandment. And then he says, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Now, Got to ask a question because I'm kind of specific like this. I'm kind of detailed in this regard. Didn't the man just ask Jesus what the first greatest commandment was? But Jesus gave him the second along with the first. Now, you got to know, like, I know, believe you. I believe, you know, Jesus ain't no dummy. So Jesus did this on purpose. So then we need to look into why did he do it to get some revelation into the heart and mind of God. <laughs> Why did Jesus mention the second when a man just asking for the first? It's very simple. Write this down. Because we can't ignore the second and do the first. Say la. We can't ignore the second and do the first. We cannot love God with all our heart, soul, minds, and strength and hate each other. <laughs> it cannot be done. It cannot be done. But we got people all day long saying they love Jesus and hating on other folk. It's everywhere today. If you happen to pay attention, I believe Holy Ghost will help you see it now like you've never saw it before. All these people that love Jesus, but don't like nobody else, but the folk in their group. First John 4.20. I'm in the Bible. The person who says they love God and hates his brother is a liar. I didn't call you a liar. The Bible called you a liar. If you don't love your brother, build your brother up. Who you can see. How can you not build your brother, of course, or sister up who you can see and do all this building up, building up of God who you can't see? They sit right next to you and you won't build them up. They sit right next to you, and you won't praise them, but you'll praise God. You won't say nothing to them. You ever go to church, sit next to somebody, they won't say nothing to you? Just look straight ahead. Everybody going to know it's you. But you'll praise God, you'll jump and shout, run around the church, but won't say nothing nice or kind to another believer. 1 John 2, 9. He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. That word darkness there means obscurity. To be in an, obs in an obscure place is to be in a place nobody knows. You don't even know. You don't even know where you are. If you've got hatred in your heart towards another brother or sister in Christ, 
You are in a strange place. Don't nobody know where you are. They don't know where you're coming from. And you don't either. You just in darkness. I, I don't know about you. I don't want to be in an obscure place. I want to be in a clearly defined set place. Like at the table of the Lord. <laughs> I want to see the blessings he's prepared for me. I don't want to be in some dark place. Don't know what's going on. Don't know what's happening. Don't know where my blessing come from. Don't know what you because you got hatred in your heart for your brother. This is the Bible. See, for centuries, now I'm going to go. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm just going to go there because I'm licensed to go there. <laughs> see, for centuries, people for centuries, even millennia, people who call themselves Christians have been saying they love God while the whole time hating their brothers. And one of the ways, one of the major ways this has taken place, and, and I'm speaking from a, a, a historical place that, that I've lived in my little short life, and, and how this has been done so easily is the devil Satan, the devil, has tricked people. It's called through doctrines of devils. Doctrine means teaching and instruction. Elder Jeff is an instructor. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. Doctrines of devils are teachings or instructions from devils. See, you need to understand everybody that's preaching isn't hearing from God, the Holy Ghost. Some folk are hearing Demons talk to them. I'm going to go somewhere. But I'm going to be diplomatic about it. There's a state in the Union of the United States of America where this particular religion is practiced, where this man had a vision and a God or a angel spoke to him and he created a whole new religion that many people that are mainline Christians consider a cult because they can have all the wives they want and all kind of other things that don't line up with scripture. Well, he got a doctrine from a demon. Let me tell you something. Oh, I want to get into this right here. So I won't. Let's go here. That's for another time. How are doctrines of demons implemented? One of them is by having people reclassify, hear me now, what it means to be human. Because if we're supposed to love our neighbor our brother as ourselves, then what the devil will do is reclassify or redefine what a human or a brother is. <laughs> See, once Satan tricks people into believing certain people aren't human, I don't have to love you like my brother because you ain't human. I don't have to treat you like the Bible says because you're not human. I'm not trying to stir up anything, but I'm just teaching you. 
Because the first thing that hit my mind when I saw that policeman with his knee on this brother's, this man's neck, he's not human to him. He's not human. No human would do that to another human unless your life was in danger. But you got two other police officers right there. How can a human treat another human like an animal unless they don't consider you human? So, a look at history again reveals there are major doctrines of devils. That's out of 1 Timothy 4.1. Here's one, and then let's see where we go with this. Charles Darwin, back in the 19th century, came up with what he correctly identifies as a theory <laughs> of evolution. He said it was a theory. Man made it a fact. He said it was a theory. But because it fits so nicely into the mentality and mindset of people of that day to continue to colonialize and strip people of their wealth and their resources and treat them like less than people, it was perfect. Mm. So this theory of evolution became a doctrine in the minds of many people who still believe people of color, especially black people, are inferior by design. That God purposely created the darker races to be subservient to the white race because we're not human. So they scientifically classified darker races of people less than human. So slavery, and all the other cruelties that took place could be excused. And the people could continue to be happy while they abused other people. This was a satanic attack on humanity. Please understand this. This was a satanic attack on humanity to divide us. To divide, in this case, specifically, black and brown people, as it's called today, from white people. And it's still working to this day. Say amen. amen. So, Charles Darwin, that theory left the UK and came to America. <laughs> it manifested in the one drop rule. Who ever heard of the one drop rule? Oh, let me educate the rest of my brothers and sisters. The one drop rule was established in 1565. It was used, as I said, to separate, divide, and tear white people away from people of color. Because the one drop rule says if you have one drop of African blood in you, you're considered black or brown. 
One drop. So then slavery could go on here. And black and brown people, particularly African people, that could be treated any kind of way because you're not my brother. You're not my brother. It was in the churches at that time where some white pastors actually believed it and taught it, the curse of Cain, all these different things, to keep us divided, to tear us apart. It's, an, it's, it's demonic in its nature. It's Luciferian in its nature. And we're still fighting each other instead of fighting the principalities and powers that keep it going. We're still fighting black folk against white folk, black and we're still doing it. Dr. King said the most segregated time in America is church on Sunday. Because we don't understand that whether you're black, brown, red, yellow, if you are saved and washed in the blood of the lamb, we are the body of Christ. We! All of us, together, universally, no matter what color you are, we are the body. That's your brother. That's your sister. And here we go. Here we go. Be, be, be seated, please. Here we go. This, this election cycle. Got some of y'all stirred back up. All in your feelings. All in your flesh. And you're forgetting we are the body of Christ. Forgetting it. See, next week, Pastor Scott Lee, my friend, brother, a type of spiritual son, him and Pastor Donnell, good friends, youth pastor, when we first met here, his family, lineage here in Zion, they're going to use this church to have a revival. Then the next week, we're going to have a revival. But I know people. So some of y'all are saying, well, th th those are white preachers. So that they're going to, they, they, they are going to do church differently. So I don't know if I'm going to come. See, this is why you need this message, because they are us. Yeah. It's not they going to have. Those of you that hear the Holy Ghost and come, you're going to experience a part of Jesus and the kingdom you have never experienced before, because all you want to be around is folk that look like you. They are us, and us is them. You got to be body-minded. Somebody say, body-minded. Hmm. Stop letting the devil tear us apart. 
remember we taught you the scripture? Don't destroy the cluster. The anointing is in the cluster. There's a blessing in it. A cluster of grapes is a group of grapes. The anointing is in the group, not the single individual grape. This is, the, this is how the devil tricks us. Keeps us alone off to the side. I'm anointed. Not by yourself, you ain't. You can't make one bottle. You can't make a bottle of wine out of no one grape. You can't make no wine out of no one grape. We need each other. Somebody say that. We need each other. See, if we're not brothers and sisters, then you don't have to love me. So the devil will work overtime to make you think somebody ain't your brother. Somebody ain't your sister. So we won't come together. I, for one, am super tired of it. I'm extremely vexed by it. Hmm. Jesus said in John 16, 2, it's going to get so bad. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I won't be here, but that's the Lord's will. But Jesus said it's going to get so bad. The time will come when people that kill you will think they're doing God a favor. They're going to be so dogmatic in their thinking that they're better than you and that you mean nothing to God and have no value in the kingdom whatsoever that they need to get rid of you. We need to address that spirit right now, today. <laughs> Acts 17, 26. God made of one blood, one blood, every nation that's on the face of the earth, every nation on the earth has the same blood flowing through their veins. I don't care how tall you are, how short you are, how wide your nose is, how narrow your nose is, what color your eyes, it's all in the blood. I'm going to finish with this. In Mark chapter 8, this is going to be too good. Good place to stop. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus encounters a blind man in Bethsaida. Jesus takes this man outside town Spits in his eyes, lays hands on him, and asks him what he sees. The man looked up and said, I see, in Mark 8, 24, I see men as trees walking. Verse 25, after that, Jesus put his hands on him again and made him look up and ask, at, and he said, and, it's, and made him look up again, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. The first time, Jesus lays hands on this man, spits on his, in his eyes and asks him what he sees. The man looks up and sees men as trees. Tell your neighbor I'm not a tree. Tell your neighbor I'm not a giraffe. Tell him I'm not an animal at all. Tell him, tell him I'm a man or woman made in the image and likeness of God. See, this man, hear me, hear me now, hear me well, hear me. This man had an encounter with Jesus. 
Jesus touched him, spit on him. Jesus made contact with him for the purpose of healing and restoring him. Jesus asked him what he sees. The first time the man sees men as trees. <laughs> the first time he looks at people, he doesn't see them correctly. See, just because a person had an encounter with Jesus don't mean he see people right. Come on, somebody. Just because somebody go to church don't mean they know how to love you right, can respect you and as a man, a woman of God, child of God, made in the image and likeness of God. Stop believing all these people that say, oh, I thank God. Oh, I'm a Christian. You just may have had one touch. You may need to go back and get another touch. You may need to have another experience, another encounter with God so you can see people the way you're supposed to see them. Let me tell you something. If Jesus didn't touch that man again, he would treat every person he saw like a tree. And this is why some people that go to church and you scratch your head, they go to church and treat you like they do. Because that's how they see you. You can't deny that they haven't been touched. You can't deny that they don't go to church. You can't deny they sing in the choir, whatever. But they need another touch. Because seeing men as trees, this man would go out, go out, and start sawing down branches for firewood. Hurting people. Well, give me your arm. See, if you don't see people correctly, you won't minister to them properly. If you don't see people properly, you won't treat them properly. How we see a thing determines how we relate to it. It determines how we interpret its purpose in our lives. And if somebody that claims to be a part of the body of Christ and hates you, you need to know why they hate you. They've not classified you properly. They've not identified. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody getting a breakthrough in their mind. Somebody's getting a breakthrough in their mind. Just lift your hands right where you are. There's a breakthrough. There's breakthrough in your mind going on. Strongholds are being pulled down in your mind. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you so you can see other people the way he sees them and you can effectively minister grace to them. But until you do, you'll misuse the anointing on your life. Father, we thank you for the change and the shift that's taking place in your body. The greater works will be possible. Oh, yes, God. The greater works will be possible because we'll see things the way they're supposed to be seen. Touch us again by your spirit. Touch us again. Restore us completely by your spirit.
We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.